Welcome to the More Happiness, Less Suffering podcast. I'm Casey Howe, Senior Meditation and Dharma Teacher for Inside LA. And I'm Dr. Monisha Vasa, Psychiatrist. In our little podcasting studio in Orange County, California, we bring wisdom from the couch and the cushion to your real-life questions and struggles. So grab a cup of tea and join us. We're, We're so glad, glad you're, you're here. here. Welcome back to the More Happiness, Less Suffering podcast. As always, we are so grateful to have you with us. And today we are especially excited because we have a very, very special guest. Um, today we have with us Amanda Gilbert, who is a meditation teacher and author currently in the process of launching her new book, Kindness Now. And we are very, very fortunate to have Amanda with us today. So thank you for joining us, Amanda. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And yeah, maybe we'll get started. Casey, do you want to share how you and Amanda actually came to know one another and kind of how the two of you connected? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's the in the best way ever, <laughs> which is uh, on retreat. And um, so, yeah, we were just on retreat together. And so I think it's it's always best to meet people in silence. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we got to meet, just sitting with one another. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of fun because when you're meeting somebody, of course, we weren't really meeting, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but sitting, sitting with together. people, you can kind of vibe them, uh, vibe them out in a really special way. So yeah, it was really cool to connect. Um, and, uh, I think it was a five day retreat in, in big bear. And then we of course connected afterwards and knew a lot of the same people and we're mm -hmm. connected through inside LA and, and yeah, that's and, wonderful. and from that moment in retreat and then meeting her afterwards, you know, she really has a beautiful presence um, about her and, and a grace. And that comes through in her, her teachings and her writings. Uh, so really yeah. happy to have you, Amanda. Casey, thank you so much. And that was such a sweet moment of meeting in that beautiful space of sitting and stillness together. So even just hearing you reflect back to that retreat that we first met within and just that time just almost puts me right back there in mm -hmm. that beautiful place of connection and presence. Wonderful. Yeah. So fun. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. So Amanda, you know, I, I'm a psychiatrist, so I always like to start at the beginning. Um, we would love to hear maybe, you know, first just kind of starting where, where you're talking to us from today and also Kind of taking us back to the beginning and you know, maybe where you grew up and generally, you know, how your path led you to uh, become a meditation teacher and yeah, just walking us through kind of how you, how you arrived to the here and now. Mm -hmm. I am presently actually here with you both and with all of us and our listeners from New York City or technically the borough of Brooklyn. I'm here for this summer and I'm just really enjoying being in this part of the U.S. And it was just, a I felt like a really supportive place to launch um, my first book, Kindness Now. I was kind of tuning into that. 
a bit towards the beginning of 2021. And, um, and then, of course, things just sort of unfolded and the right opportunities and conditions came into being. And so here I am in Brooklyn. And I... And actually, it's beautiful that we're touching upon this because the few weeks that I've been here, and I've been in upstate New York the last few months as well, staying with dear friends and fellow meditation teacher colleagues um, up there. But being here on the East Coast has almost been like a arriving back to some of my formative years and my formative childhood moments. I was at the farmer's market just a week ago here in Brooklyn and my awareness and my attention just landed on this basket of strawberries and they were really small, tiny strawberries ones that you don't see kind of normally at your regular market or grocery store. And my awareness immediately flashed back to the strawberry patch that I had growing up in Ohio as a really young kid. And I used to go and like pick the strawberries and eat them. And they were these really small, small, small uh, strawberries. And so I had that moment of of almost like returning back to my childhood, um, even presently here in Brooklyn, and also seeing this dissimilar flowers and foliage here in the East Coast, because I've been in California the last 15, 16 years. And I wrote the book actually in LA, in Topanga Canyon during 2020. So the summer so far and the spring in New York has been kind of lovely in that way. I've been really reminded of growing up in Ohio. And the way I stumbled into meditation was actually during my last year of high school, which wasn't in Ohio, ironically enough. It was in the Appalachian Mountains and hills of West Virginia, where I had found myself in a very non-traditional high school at that point. I went I went to six different high schools, actually, and ended up graduating from this homeschool in West Virginia. And in the beginning of our days at this school, we would all be guided and told to, you know, huddle up for the day and circle up. And so myself and my fellow students would all sit down and we'd have our hiking boots on and we have our school books out and we'd all circle up and sit down and we'd be guided in these visualization meditations by our teachers and by the principal of the school. The principal of the school had spent many, many years, I think even a couple of decades, studying the wisdom of the four winds in uh, South America. So he spent time with indigenous cultures in South America, where he studied and learned this ancient knowledge. And so he felt like it was really important to have that knowledge a part of the curriculum in this high school. And so there I was, like 17, and being asked to place my attention in the present moment and guide my awareness towards like my true north and what it was that felt meaningful and purposeful to me in my life. And it was during those first few meditations and really the first ever meditation that I felt for the first time as a young kind of angsty teenager, I just felt like I had found a feeling or a state or a presence that I'd always been searching for through 
a lot of unskillful means <laughs> before that. And after first learning meditation at high school, um, you know, quite honestly, meditation just really kept knocking on my door for the years following. I studied it in my undergraduate schooling. I was in classes like mindful nutrition and mindful living. And then though, so my my story with 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 um, meditation and really having meditation be a part of my life is really twofold because it wasn't until early on in my 20s in a really, really like pivotal moment in my early adulthood where everything as I knew changed. I went through um, a really just intense uh, early adulthood trauma and it was on the heels of that trauma where after I kind of got my bearings after a couple of months, I started to tap into this like open question in my heart, which was like, how am I going to get through this? You know, like what is going to help me at all? Is, is there anything that can help me navigate this sort of like broken aftermath that I was in? And the response that came through loud and clear through a few different ways was um, remembering my previous times in meditation and just remembering that feeling of being at home and that feeling of peace and that feeling of support and helpfulness before. And so that was in, this moment was actually in 2009. And it was then that I got really serious about my meditation practice. I went and found my first teachers and I started up a daily meditation practice. And so really from there is when I feel like the path started to get more formal in a way where I just fully immerse myself in the studies of meditation, first in Vedic mantra-based meditation, then through um, or then into secular mindfulness and then into more Buddhist-based practices and studies. And that brings me to really today in present time. Of course, there's a lot to fill in between those moments and, and now and, and now. Um, but I will say maybe just to round out, like, how did I start to share? I love how Casey, you know, really refers to teachers or facilitators as space holders and sharers. That's like completely how I relate to sharing practice, too. Um, but the only reason why I started to teach meditation at all was because I started to get asked by a lot of my co-workers and colleagues at the time um, at UCSF when I was doing academic research actually on mindfulness and meditation. I wasn't teaching yet. And so I started to get asked just by colleagues and people at the local coffee shop and my friends and neighbors, like, what's up with you? What makes you you? And, um, you know, at first I was like, well, what are you exactly asking? And they'd be like, well, what yoga studio do you go to? What are you having for lunch today? etc. And, you know, I would tell them like, okay, nothing really going on here, just like your normal salad or don't really go to a regular yoga studio or gym. And finally, I realized what they were really asking me though, which was like, what, what makes me me? And the response, the genuine response was, well, well, my meditation practice makes me me. And so I started to share that answer and they started to ask me to um, teach them my meditation practice. And then after having that go on for quite a bit of time, I wanted to get more formally trained in facilitation and in mindfulness-based facilitation and teaching. So that is how I began to share 
um, practice in a more formal way. Mm. So it wasn't just the matcha <laughs> is what you're saying. I, you know, matcha is a huge, it was a huge role. It's been a yeah, huge role. So. It's pretty big. It's meditation and, ma and matcha. <laughs> That's uh, what comes to mind, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, thank it's you. It's a beautiful journey. Yeah, it's a yeah, beautiful, beautiful journey. journey. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. And kind of walking us through it's always amazing to me when, when we have guests on here and they, they share their stories about how so often things just organically evolve the way that they should. And we kind of find ourselves exactly where we're supposed to be. And it, it really sounds like on your part that there was very much all at every step along the way, a very close listening uh, to maybe what you were being called to do in terms of the next steps and that, and that has guided and led you here. Mm, completely, completely. And it's actually one of the main reasons why um, even the first formal chapter of um, of my new book, Kindness Now, is called A Call from the Heart, is because of that very reason. Um, meditation and my own time on the cushion has given me like the privilege and the precious honor of being able to be in dialogue with my heart enough to be able to listen to it. And then, you know, when ready, courageously act upon, you know, what my heart is, is telling me or sharing with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask. So of course your book is called kindness now and, and you are focusing on the heart, as you mentioned, do you want to speak more to that on um, just kind of like the depth of connection with the heart practices as a whole? Obviously, the path is very broad. You could have chosen anything and you picked uh, the Brahma Viharas. So do you want to chat a little bit more about what those mean to you? Yes, you know, it's been really beautiful to spend so many um, you know, so much time these past few years in deeper studies around the Brahma Viharas. And, you know, to your point, Casey, there's a lot of view, there's a lot of teachings, there's a lot of path out there. And I don't know what you find, but it's always so beautiful to see, um, you know, fellow practitioners on the path just kind of find their way to a set of teachings that really speaks to them and speaks to their practice and speaks to their minds and hearts in that moment. And one of the main reasons for writing about the Brahma Viharas for my first book was because um, a few, a number of years into teaching meditation more formally or sharing about it more formally, I noticed I was starting to get asked a similar question over and over and over again by my students who were falling into like the group of practitioners where they had been coming to class or they'd been learning mindfulness meditation, like the basics of the practice for some time. And they kind of had their footing, you know, down in the practice, like they knew what meditation was. They more or less knew how to practice it, what to do as far as present moment awareness and bringing their attention back to the present moment if and when it wanders away. And they started to ask me the same question a lot, which was, you know, Amanda, what is next? Like, where do I go from here? Because 
One, I, you know, I'm comfortable with these basic principles of mindfulness. And two, though, I'm starting to uncover a lot. <laughs> I'm starting to really bump into a lot of, you know, my habitual patterns of thinking in the mind. I'm um, bumping into a lot of my emotional um, reactions that I'm noticing through the lens of my awareness and practice. So what do I do? Where, where do I go from here? And so that became the question around what I wanted to maybe bring to light in my first book. And it was actually a stepwise process because at first, you know, I felt like part of the answer to that was, of course, consistent meditation practice and creating a daily meditation practice. Um, and so at first I was thinking about writing the book about um, the habit formation of, of daily practice and making meditation consistent. But then, you know, once I took a, a look at this question a little deeper, you know, I realized that, well, really, you know, if we even take a look at the traditional, one of the traditional ways of thinking about um, Buddhist practice or mindfulness practice, which is like the two winged bird approach, the wings of awareness and the wings of compassion, more deeply, I realized, well, what these, you know, what I'm being asked is really like, how do I meet what it is I'm encountering on the cushion and in my life? And so from my own experience, it was when I learned loving kindness meditation for the first time. And when I really started to study compassion practice, that's when I felt like my own meditation practice really deepened and I was able to meet my own inner world with a little bit more skillfulness. Um, and usefulness, so to speak. So that's why I centered the book on this is just because I feel like the heart is, well, let me just take a step back. You know, we've been in the realm of mindfulness for so long, like even from in, an empirical research perspective, we've been studying mindfulness meditation for the past many decades, even the year, the 1990s was like the year of neuroscience on meditation's effect on the brain. And from there, we've just really been in the realm of mindfulness here in the West. And so I feel like even from a more broader view um, globally and society-wise, and then, of course, what I'm just seeing directly in my own students and in my own meditation community is like, let's focus on the heart. Let's focus on the how. Let's step into these timeless and helpful practices of kindness and compassion and appreciative joy and equanimity. And so it just became really clear, like this was what Kindness Now was about. This is what this book was meant to be, the path for deepening, but really a call to all of us as practitioners to step into the heart in an even more deeper way. Oh, it's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. yeah that's beautiful. Um, I do want to mention, we meant, uh, we said Brahma Viharas, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with that term, um, it means heavenly abodes, um, also translated as the four immeasurables because they go on uh, forever. And simply they're just aspects of the heart. So the heart-based practices and when the heart meets different situations, the flavors change. So uh, like Amanda just mentioned, we have the 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 love energy when it meets suffering, it shifts to compassion. Uh, when this love energy meets good fortune, uh, we rejoice. So we have sympathetic joy for others. And then when this love energy meets 
some some challenges and, and difficulties, maybe in even caring for others, uh, we kind of mix with some wisdom and we have equanimity um, at the end there. So yeah, aspects of the heart. I was going to ask you, Amanda, what is your favorite part of the book? I know <laughs> the whole thing's awesome. The whole thing's amazing. Um, did you really feel like something stood out for you, like when you're writing it and, and also what people have maybe spoken to you about their favorite part already? Mm. Gosh. Yeah. Thank you for asking that Casey. Um, because at first, when I first got the advanced review copy of the book, I, it was just this whole moment. Like it was just honestly one of the most joyful, but um, humbling open-hearted moments in my life I'd ever experienced, maybe <laughs> an equivalent to like, I don't know, having um, a child for some people, or I don't know what else might be equivalent to that. But it was, it was unexpected. I was really surprised by it. And I didn't even open up the pages yet. You know, I wrote the book and I knew what was in it, but there was something about holding the book in my hands where I felt the energy of the book was just beaming through. And I, and I think and what I really have landed on since um, this experience was it's because of the teachings uh, that the book is centered upon. And um, I think one of my favorite parts of the book is that Kindness Now is a modern day systematic guide for us to use as practitioners to really learn the, um, the more traditional and systematic teachings of each of the Brahma Viharas. So each week is centered upon seven days of practice for each Brahma Vihara, each loving abode of the heart, kindness, uh, loving kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, and then equanimity. And, you know, we go through the five to seven formal stages within each week when, when you're reading the book. So I really love that. And even like for my own personal feelings and my own personal authorship aside, like if I take a step back, I, I, I really love that aspect of the book. I have a lot of gratitude that, um, you know, that kindness now was the vehicle to share about um, these timeless teachings. And then from a more personal lens, I feel like what and what I've been hearing is that people have actually been really enjoying the personal stories that are in the book because when I teach meditation and this is something that I really appreciate about sitting with you too Casey is you know we we share of course from our own direct experience and our own personal experience however I've always been more of a sharer and a teacher that really likes to keep the the limelight on the teachings and on the practice, you know, versus maybe my own stories when I'm when I'm teaching or sharing classes or, or in classes or whatnot. And I guess what's been really joyful is people starting to get to know like my own personal practice path a little bit more and more specific personal stories about how these teachings have shown up for me personally in my life. Um, and there was something really beautiful about having that way of sharing practice come through in writing and through the book, because again, when you're 
maybe sitting with me in class or in a sitting group, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not one who's like always telling stories about my meditation journey or path or whatnot. Like, mm-hmm. I love that. I think it's really powerful, mm-hmm. but um, it's just not the way I, I share in person. And so this actually came through in writing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> I think, yeah. Cause we could all relate, right. When we, um, hear about people's, you know, obstacles, challenges, and also breakthroughs. It's so helpful. Like, oh, I'm not the only one <laughs> with with all of that. Yeah, and um, kind of like those those hope for me too. <laughs> so I know I really like the personal stories. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Amanda, we I would love to hear a little bit more, just um, actually about the process as you were writing. You know. On our podcast, we've actually had other authors on who've, you know, may or may not have had mindfulness practices. And one of the questions that we always like to ask is, is, you know, what you find the intersections between your mindfulness and your creativity practices to look like for you and maybe how they support or don't support uh, one another. I I love that you all are touching upon this because... um, Gosh, it's a juicy like conversation to be in <laughs> from a practice perspective. And I, gosh, how do I even want to approach um, responding this, to this? Because what, what happened for me, at least with writing Kindness Now, I mean, there's a few different things going on, which was one, um, this was my first time I was writing a book project to this length, you know, so it was my first time writing a book. It was my first time understanding what it meant for me to be a writer and step into that real role of a creative and a writer in that way. And then, you know, uh, then of course I was also in the role of, of sharing these, uh, these teachings in the most like authentic and integral way as possible. I I cared so much about that. (laughs) And so, you know, um, a lot of my preparation process was actually just researching and just crossing my T's, dotting my I's and, you know, who knows if I still got it, you know, 100% right or, or whatnot, but I really tried my best. And, um, you know, and then, so I had all that going on with writing with writing this book for the first time. And what ended up happening was I had to step into almost like a retreat last year where I um, removed myself really from as many obligations as I could. And I was in Topanga Canyon in this beautiful writer's cabin um, on a very like beautiful secluded property, um, which was a very privileged and, and beautiful experience. And I went off social media, I just unplugged, and my whole day turned into the practice of of being what it what being what was required of me to actually be a writer and be a conduit for these teachings. And so I would wake up, I would go through my own daily practice routine. I would then um, you know, start to go into my creative routine, which was like making some tea and listening to some classical music and some jazz tracks. I started to make into a writing playlist and then I would sit down and write. And to your point, the writing and the, the writing and my practice really just sort of seemed to 
meld together over the course of those months where there wasn't a lot of separation between the writing and you know my own time and practice. And so every single day took on the same routine, getting up, going through my own meditation routine and sadhana practice going into writing, and then by the afternoon, outlining the next day's writing in a more succinct way. Um, and just one thing to share about each of the days of practice in the book, how they're formulated, how they're designed, and how they're constructed is actually from my own daily meditation practice as well. So I start off um, in my own morning practice reading some Dharma books or reading suttas or re reading traditional teachings. And I spend a few minutes doing that or a few pages of, of experiencing um, readings of teachings. And then I go into my meditation practice, then go into a period of reflection. And then I really focus on like a daily practice to bring out into the day with me. And so I found that when it was time to really write each of the 28 days or the four weeks of Brahma Vihara practice, that's what became of the book. Um, so I, it was just a gorgeous experience of really stepping in and really making sure I was doing everything I could to show up and be the um, writer that I could be or the conduit that I could be for these teachings and to like find out what it meant to be a creative in that way. Beautiful. Yeah. Wonderful. It strikes me in what you share that there's so much intention that you bring to your practice, um, both, both your mindfulness practice as well as your writing practice. And it, it actually strikes me. One of the things that I love that you share on Instagram is um, on Sunday nights, you often share a video where you, you know, talk to your audience about being really intentional about how they're going to incorporate their mindfulness practice into the week. And so I can kind of see in what you're sharing that there really is this thread of deep intention, you know, both in terms of how you approach your own practices and how you encourage those who are at whatever point on their journey to also approach their practices. Mm, thank you for highlighting that. I mean, as we know, it's like we share from our direct practice. And I think being intentional or being lionhearted or being a little bit more on the side of like being disciplined <laughs> in my meditation practice has really been one of the ways I think meditation has been able to really deeply integrate into my life. And uh, sometimes, especially early on, I had to be really, really intentional. I had to be really like serious about my daily meditation practice. I found like I, I would I found myself literally some days setting my alarm for like three thirty or four o'clock in the morning if I knew I had a really early day just so I could have like my hour of meditation time in. And looking back on that specific like more formative part of my practice path, like, I'm so glad that I just did that for whatever reason that I, that I was doing that. Like, I almost had to do that because the practice was so helpful to me and so supportive. But, um, you know, for me and from my experience, it, it has really been leaning into deep-rooted intention and deep, lion-hearted commitment and just really giving meditation every single opportunity to show up, to show up for myself or show up for our lives, you know, more broadly. 
So thank you for highlighting that and bringing that in. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, yeah, so we really, really want to thank you so much for coming on uh, today. We know specifically today it's pretty exciting because special day. <laughs> it's a special day. You're having a formal book launch uh, at, in is it combined with Inside LA? I saw like Trudy and Nico and um, uh, is it, is it an Inside LA sponsored event or? It is, it is Casey. Yes, awesome. it's, it's, host, it's hosted by Inside Inside LA um, and my publisher, Shambhala Publications. So they wonderfully came together to co-host this um, book launch event. And, um, you know, Trudy is the forward author for Kindness Now as well. And so it's a great honor to have her a part of the the official celebration and the official event. And then to your point, Nico Carey is speaking. Um, I just find his way of sharing, particularly about the Brahma Viharas is so beautiful and just so genuine. Um, and then Mystic Tiger, a well-known um, in the Insight LA community, a well-known um, loving kindness and mindfulness band and musical group. They're also going to, going to be offering some songs and some music on loving kindness. Mm, so fun. It's beautiful. That'd be so fun. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Such a special day. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, so maybe just finishing, finishing up, what is the best way for... Uh, people to get their own copy, of course, of Kindness Now, and also to stay connected with you and your teachings and any upcoming events. Hmm. So Kindness Now is available um, anywhere, anywhere books are sold, and um, whether it's through your favorite local indie bookstore or through some of the bigger book retailers like Barnes and Noble or Amazon or Book Depository. If you're outside of the U.S., um, they are shipping Kindness Now internationally. So you can find Kindness Now pretty much anywhere. It also has its own formal website and landing page on the internet, which is uh, kindnessnowbook.com. Cool. And you can connect with me just through uh, any of my social handles at Amanda Gilbert Meditation or through my website, which is amandagilbertmeditation.com. And, um, you know, I hope to also uh, stay connected as well with this gorgeous conversation and podcast that you both have created. My publisher was so happy that I was talking with you both and um, this this podcast in particular is just, I just find that it's really helpful for practitioners and for um, us in the, you know, in the greater self-growth or um, mindfulness-based communities. So thank you so much for having me. And I hope to for people to find me through this podcast and through upcoming collaborations as well. Oh, awesome. It's a perfect fit. I mean, you're talking about kindness on the more happiness, less suffering podcast. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. And we actually didn't speak to this uh, beforehand. So I'm going to totally put you on the spot, but we usually end with a short meditation, uh, about five minute meditation. And uh, depending on the guest, sometimes I lead it. Uh, but since you're here, do you mind guiding us in a short in five minute ish practice, mm -hmm. um, yeah, to, to end our time together. 
Oh my gosh, absolutely. I'd be honored. Fantastic. And hmm. Yeah, and, and I love these like these um shorter pops of practice together too, because they can actually they can be so potent and such a beautiful way to reset ourselves during the day. So wherever you are right now, as you happen to be listening to this conversation and to this podcast episode together, just starting to bring your attention towards the body. Even if you're out walking in the world, standing, even driving, sitting, just guiding attention towards the body. And if you happen to be sitting down right now, if you'd like, you can gently close the eyes. And starting to feel your feet resting against the floor and the ground. And maybe you even hear the sounds of life happening around you. And then gently guiding your attention towards the sensations of breath in the body. Inviting your attention to land within the rivers and currents of your breath and breathing as it moves through the landscape of the body. And as you hold your attention upon the sensations of breath, if you'd like, you can guide your attention towards the breath in the heart space. And here we'll practice a few moments of loving kindness meditation together. And we'll share loving kindness by silently repeating a few phrases and a few words in the mind. And the phrases are, may I be happy and peaceful. May I be healthy and strong. May I be free from difficulty or suffering. And may my day or the rest of my day unfold with ease. And then we'll send these same phrases outwards towards others and to all beings every, everywhere around us. May we be happy and peaceful. May we all be healthy and strong.
may we all be safe and protected and free from difficulty and suffering. And may all of our lives, all beings everywhere without exception, may our lives unfold with ease. So allowing these words and these phrases just to circulate in the mind and within the heart and within the field of the body. Maybe even identifying one particular phrase or one word that feels most supportive for you right now. And then silently repeating this word or this phrase in the mind one more time. And then sending this wish and this word and this phrase outwards to all beings everywhere. And with this wish and aspiration of loving kindness, top of mind and top of heart. Taking a nice long deep breath in now, fully breathing into the body. And fully breathing out. And if the eyes have been closed, gently floating them open now. And taking this wish, this word, or these phrases out with you into the rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me right now in this beautiful conversation. It's an honor and a delight to be here and practice together today.